Success Insight shares the stories of the people with passion and drive who make things happen in the world. Here's your host, Howard Fox. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the author series on the Success Insight podcast. Our guest today is Michael Kutza, founder of the Chicago International Film Festival and author of the autobiographical tell-all book, Starstruck, How I Magically Transformed Chicago into Hollywood for More Than 50 Years. Published in 2022, last year, Michael pulls back the curtain about his career and dreams of putting Chicago on the map when it comes to international cinema. Michael shares how he and his team magically transformed Chicago into Hollywood for over 50 years. Michael is a rock star in the movie world, having contributed an amazing amount of culture to the world and entertaining hundreds of thousands of filmgoers over the years. Michael, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the author series on the Success Inside podcast. That is a great intro. I would like to meet that guy. <laughs> I, I, he's a fascinating guy, and we're, we're going to have a great episode here. And I have to say, I read Starstruck pretty darn quickly to, and to get ready for this episode. I don't often read books. And, and I remember somebody had shared about Larry King and his interviews. And he, in Larry King, I can't imitate Larry King, so I'm not going to try. He said, I never read the book because that will and somehow influence where this conversation goes. And I know, you know, through our mutual friend, uh, Linda O'Connor, uh, the famous PR uh, maven in Chicago, and she goes, Howard, you can't interview Michael without reading this book. So I want to tell you, <laughs> that's what that was my commitment to myself this past weekend. It was a wonderful book. You did a great job. Well, thank you. It's, a, it's as Michael Douglas says, it's a good read. It's a good, I love that. And first of all, and by the way, I want to, uh, for our listeners, we are having uh, the video going on the, as we record this session and Michael has the most wonderful outfit on it, it right blazoned over his chest is the word starstruck. And I'm, I mean, you're like a, you're like a, a built, walking billboard for, for well, this wonderful piece of work. I, I believe in it. And I'm a designer as well. So I might as well design, design the logo of my shirt. There you, now, did you put a lot of attention into the actual font that you use and the size? And Absolutely. The color? Well, sure. Throughout the 55 years, by the way, of Chicago National Film Festival, I did all the graphics also okay. for a specific look. And it was always a medium Helvetica. Okay. And I mean, the colors of the film festival have always been black and white. Red is the accent. And this is, it's a very special red. It's a called it's a vermilion, which is actually a good luck kind of red in the Chinese. <laughs> okay, don't ask me where that came from, but it's true. <laughs> well, I, I have a, a a friend that I back in Chicago who is in the design world, and all I remember is I, I he was working on my logo, or I had given him my business card. He goes to me, Howard, I love your logo, but it's driving me crazy, and it's like, why is that? And because I had a my logo, and you kind of see it up in, in my banner behind me, it, it's actually a guy raising his hand with a head. Some people think it's a martini glass with an olive, but who am <laughs> I? it is what it is. So before we kind of dive into Starstruck, and I don't know, by the way, I hope you, you're, you're good with time because we're going to go as long as we need to today. If you could share a little bit 
about your background. I mean, we don't need to go into underneath the, the rug and see all the, the, the cool stuff that's there, but share a little bit with our listeners about your background and what led you into this wonderful world of cinema for over 55 years. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm from Chicago. I'm a Chicagoan from the West Side. And uh, I come from a family of doctors, mother, father, aunt, uncles, cousins. Everyone is a doctor. I think my dog was actually studying to be a doctor in a strange way. So needless to say, it's expected for me to become a doctor. So the irony of that is uh, I studied to be a doctor, went to Loyola, uh, pre-med and all, but on the side, I was making movies. Now, how did you suddenly get to making movies as a kid? My mother, a doctor, these are older, I had old old parents. And having a, a, a female doctor, she was OB gynae, my dad was a surgeon. Sure. Uh, she would travel a lot with her lady doctor friends to conventions and in the, around the world. And she always carried a movie camera with her. Don't ask oh. me why. A 16 millimeter movie camera. Those were and, big cameras, by the way. Those were not and, insignificant. And she's a big woman. So she was able to carry it. She, she carried it with her. And then she'd come back and she'd throw it on the table. And I, I was probably about seven or eight years old. And she said, make this into a movie. The ladies are coming over. The other doctors are coming on Sunday. So here I have access to movie film. And I'm making and adding music and putting on a show. For the lady doctors, I got hooked really early in the game making movies. It's really funny. Uh, have you seen the new Spielberg film, The Fableman? Because it's almost, it's very similar to my early life. Okay, no, so, I I haven't seen it yet, but I am definitely. I, I highly, I highly, rec I highly recommend it because he we go th through a lot of the very same things together and indirectly to get off another tangent. I was making the movies, and I was also trying to keep their marriage together uh, you you have two you have two strong doctors one in one hospital one in another and they're professional and and that's a whole other actually that's a whole other book now that I think of it. well you got plenty of time for that so another, so another uh, so, so i was so i was making movies at a young age and i continued making movies and high school they wanted a promotional film to promote the school so i said okay i'll, I'll make that and i started doing all that while this wasn't amusing my father, a severe Polish uh, surgeon at St. Mary's Hospital. And by the way, St. Mary's Hospital is where Robin Williams was born. Okay. And there's some trivia for you. It's in, where it's was in the it, St. Mary's? St. Mary's still is. It's a, it's a hospital on the west side. Okay. It's actually in the term, it's in the Ukrainian village, which is oh, okay. appropriate yeah. today, yeah. which is about division and western. Okay. It still exists. It's a bigger, more modern place. Mm -hmm. And throughout all of this, playing around with movies and all, uh, my dad would help me start, I give me the money to help start this film festival idea. And he said, but remember, this is just a passing fancy, right? Because you're going to become a doctor. That's always in their head. And I said, absolutely, dad. <laughs> Uh-oh. I know, I know I lied. I killed my parents. What could, I got away with murder. Oh my I God! Broke so, their, I broke. I broke their hearts. <laughs> when I'm curious now, when did it finally occur to mom and dad, the family, that Michael was not going into the family business? Of well, that, a, well, first, we're still making movies. We're still in school, 
and then uh, and then college at Loyola for pre-med, but I also was still making real movies now, short and shorter films that I try to get them shown in theaters and things like that. So I started entering, I was about 20, 19 or 20. I started entering my movies into foreign film festivals because short subjects, experimental in, in Poland and in, in France and in Ireland, you name it. And then I get an award for a short film in France at a Cannes Film Festival for students. And that is what triggered things, thinking there's a lot of stuff going out there out in the world film-wise, and there's nothing in my city. There's nothing going on in Chicago. And I got some friends together. We started talking about the idea, maybe we should start a big film event or film festival and show other people's work from around the world or our own world and, and my movies, of course, too. Of course. Of course. <laughs> and that's how that all began. And I said, Dad, would you help me make this happen? As long as you're going to become a doctor. I said, of course. Well. <laughs> what a guy. Yeah, I know. I know. So you asked, when did they realize I wasn't going to? Well, first, let me put on the first film festival. And I, and if you read in the book, it explains all the people that helped me put the first thing together. It introduced me <clears throat> to to the celebrity that make the book possible, Star Struck. When did they realize? The first festival took place. They came to it. They saw, okay. Then the second festival happened, and they started realizing this thing was getting big. And they didn't, they didn't discuss the doctor thing again, because suddenly the festival took off, maybe the third, fourth year. And... Uh, I, I guess they were indirectly proud of it, but we never discussed it because they were workaholics. In fact, we never really discussed anything. We we saw each other once a week, my folks. And I know if, that I know that that sounds strange, but it was it was the way it was. And I and I can imagine being in the professions they were in. I suspect it's not no different today. It's a full on commitment to be a, a medical professional. Surgeon, I'm I, I, no question. I learned, I learned total dedication through them. They, 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 their dedication to their, to their patients. And remember, these are the, this is a long time ago. This is, we're talking about the 60s, right? They're, they, uh, they even made house calls in those days oh, without yeah. the fear of being murdered, <laughs> right? My mother, right. Would, my mother would go deliver babies, OB Guiney, and dad would do surgery every morning and at the hospital. It was, they're really, you but know. even after the second or third festival, there was no wink or nod, and this is look at what our son is doing. Nothing. No, nothing. No. I'll tell you something funny. One day, maybe into five or six festivals, I had to go to my dad's office, and I had really never been to his office, mm -hmm. and. Um, I, you'd have to find out why I went to it's in it's in the book. I don't want to discuss it on here. <laughs> We're not going to give away the secrets. Exactly. So I go into his office and uh, all over the walls, this is really true, are all these film clippings, newspaper clippings and magazine pictures, everything, all about the success of the festival and me. And I was, I, I didn't say a word. I, I was blown away. I was really touched that that even though he never said a word, 
here's this here's this whole wall of uh, him being proud of the festival. Wow, that that was that was really special. Do you remember what was it last year, year before? I don't know. It was Netflix, uh, the Queen's Gambit. Of course. And that scene when she goes back to the the school and down in the basement where the custodian is. Exactly. Was, he had passed away and he, she sees all those clippings on the wall. And maybe, you know, your parents' generation, I know mine, didn't always know how to communicate love and, and affection. These are, and, yeah, these are, these are old folks. I was young. I don't know how I came along in this deal. I'm, I'm sure I was adopted and I had nothing to do with them. <laughs> Except then I, I actually found the papers and the birth certificate and all. And I uh, guess I was, I guess I was their kid. Okay. Well, <laughs> so perhaps given their, who they were, their, the time that they were born and raised, but the fact those clippings were there, that communicates a lot. That... Uh, it really, yeah, I really, it really did. So, so the, the, the book, we get back to the book. You want to talk about this book, don't you? I know well, you know. I want, I want to explain, I want to explain um, why I did it. Yeah. And, and what it's all about. But the, the interesting thing about, about, the Chicago International Film Fest was I would spend about six months of the year traveling the world to find these films, to find brand new directors. The whole idea was to introduce new directors, their first film, their second film, and bring them to Chicago with the film and, and honor them. And uh, so I'd be traveling, you, you name it, if I'm, in, if I'm in Budapest today and I'm in Rome tomorrow, I'm heading to all the, the film centers, the institutes, the film critics are all helping. Everyone's helping me find the latest film to put this festival together. And <clears throat> once I got the festival together, comes the next ingredient, the film directors and stars come to Chicago with their film. Mm -hmm. And then my staff will program the put the films, the, the show together. And then I'm faced with the, the job of taking care of the directors and the talent, which I hadn't even anticipated because I'm basically a shy, shy kind of guy. Okay. And now I'm faced with these people and all of their quirks mm -hmm. and all of their needs. And that's sort of where the book comes in. It's behind the scenes of what really goes on. I, I like how you just described that quirks and needs because that was, as I'm reading the book and I'm hearing the stories and uh, there was a couple sections, chapters, paragraphs where you're talking about this particular star, the director or the, the talent. And they say, Michael, can you get me this? And some of those requests were pretty outlandish. And well, I don't know, I, I guess as shy as I am, they tr people trust me. Yeah. <laughs> they foolish, foolishly trust me. And, uh, and I, I, I'm pleased that they're in Chicago. And uh, all right, so you have a famous name, but you're just a regular, you're a regular guy. And, um, and you, you said, okay, blah, 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 blah. I, I, I want marijuana. I want to get laid. I want to get this. And they come to me. And like, I have the answer for all this kind of stuff. Wow. And, uh, and it is funny when you, when you have Angela Lansbury say, I'd like to get laid today. 
And, that was and, actually, you know, that's, by the way, that's, that's the one, there's, there's a couple. I mean, there's stuff like that, there's stuff like that, and I'm thinking, I don't want to hear that from you. <laughs> but then again, I, I just bite my tongue. I said, well, I'll, I'll give some thought to that, but. <laughs> Let me see what I can it's, do. It's really funny. Shelly Winters was a sexaholic. I didn't, I didn't know. And we're having a great time with so many funny stories, but she also was looking for action. Yeah. How? Was <laughs> Chicago prepared to have this kind of festival in its city? They weren't the least bit interested be because from the very beginning, because here I, I'm, I'm showing you brand new films from these countries they've never heard of or never seen on the screen. So let's go back to the 60s. So in Chicago, all we had were like three little art houses and and they uh, they would show the same film for maybe a year. They they were afraid. They they you know this very conservative. The one theater would show a uh, Ingmar Bergman film for six months. The other theater would show a Truffaut or Fellini film for a year. So that's it. So I'm looking at this situation. So there's nothing going on in this town. And there and I look at the New York Times. There are 25 theaters out there and, and Chicago is missing the world. They're missing the whole game. And here I've been traveling to these countries and I know what's out there. So I'm bringing it in, putting it on the screen. And I can't attempt at the beginning, I can't tempt the audiences to come see a subtitled movie mm -hmm. from Czechoslovakia. Right. So what became clear to me was I needed a hook mm -hmm. and the hook or even at the very first film festival, I had stars. If they wanted to come to Chicago, I had Betty Davis. I had this King Vidor, who's a famous director of silent film and then sound. And right. Stanley Kramer, who was quite current at that time, American director. Uh, a really good film. So they're there at the first film festival. And they started to bring the audiences in. So the idea became very clear. If I could show, if I could get a film or a person that made you come to the place, maybe you'd come back tomorrow or later today and see this Japanese film. Mm -hmm. And that's how it sort of developed. And and then next year, I'd make sure there's a Hollywood movie to, to open the festival. Then, then I got you. I got you. And then you're going to come see <clears throat> the new film from uh, the Philippines. Okay. That's that's how that's how I sort of trick, tricked you in Chicago to come see these new films. And these these new films, Martin Scorsese started here, his first film. No one ever heard of Martin Scorsese. His small little film, he made at film school with Harvey Keitel. Even his, his team was always in his early game. Yeah. And Bill Friedkin, look at he, from Chicago Boy, showed his first film at the first film festival. Nobody cared, but there it was, and there he was. Very uh, cool. When yeah. when did the festivals <clears throat> become Take off? well they they probably they really took yeah okay let's ask that question because I, I was gonna ask something a little different, <clears throat> but when did the when do you feel they took it took off that like wow the festival didn't take off until I made it sexy. Okay. What's that? So well that didn't happen until about 1967. Okay. Remember, this is this is I'm 22 years old. This is this is I'm a kid. 
This is a long time ago. And I remember in the book that uh, your partner in launching this, Colleen Moore, said you, you couldn't be 22 because nobody right. would. The, my oh, mentor from the very beginning was a silent film star who had retired in Chicago. Yeah. And I had met, I set up a meeting for, saying this lady could help you a lot. She's retired from the business. Her husband just died. And she knows a lot of people and she might like you. And we had lunch at her house here in Chicago. And um, we hit it off instantly. And she said, well, I have a problem. If I'm going to help you, you're too young. No one's going to believe or trust you because you're 22. Okay. And she and she said, from this moment on, you're going to be 27. And she gave me these glasses. like these. She worked with Hera Lloyd. These Hera Lloyd kind of glasses. No, Nothing in them. Plain glass. She said, wear these glasses. And I remained 27 years old for, I don't know, four or five years. So when people ask me, what is your age today? I, I really don't know. I've lied about my age so such a long time. I never knew anymore. Okay. <laughs> don't you ask me my age. I either. will not ask that. <laughs> I did the so math, that, but I'm not going to ask. So that was that was it with age and Colleen. And and Colleen, it's, it's funny because Colleen, if I go backwards, there's a film that just came out two weeks ago called Babylon. And Babylon, by a director we also introduced his film years ago called La La Land. Mm-hmm. And um, Damien was in Chicago, and he, he has a Damien, whatever his last name is, uh, Chazelle, Chazelle, I believe. He's done Whiplash and a lot of, a lot of really powerful films. And La La Land got him a lot of Oscars, of course, six Oscars. Mm-hmm. So Babylon covers the silent film days when silence became talkies. And in that, you'll have Colleen Moore, and you'll have Clara Bow, you'll have that, that era of those people that, that I met. Uh, yes, I met them older, but I met them and they talk about the industry. And that's sort of an exciting part of my life, meeting those people. I would have to say, after reading the book, there was a lot of envy coming from out of me. One is that I did not take advantage of the festival when I lived in Chicago. I've spent half my life there. And number two, you met literally the icons of motion of the motion picture industry throughout right. your entire career. And in the locations, like like you mentioned in Budapest or, or Cannes or wherever there are these major festivals, you had the opportunity to go there and interact with the the, uh, the folks that were putting those on and the directors. Right. And then, the and then bring those people to Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. When did the, so the, the festivals began to take off two or three years in. When did you begin to celebrate one of the, the, one of these icons? The, the, let's honor so-and-so at the festival or the, well, the the interesting thing is the very first festival it may not have been a success but the movies but we had a big gala award closing night to give some awards and an honor mm-hmm. um a few directors so the very first festival in 1965 did have an honor of king vidor who has oscars and who did many many famous silent films and many sound films and he was there and we showed all his film clips that we did at a film studio here in Chicago, the whole party, 500 <clears throat> black tie guests. 
at this event. And uh, it was a fabulous, the, it was at the SNA studio and the SNA studio was before, well, just about the same time as Hollywood was starting. <laughs> as a real movie studio, Gloria Swanson worked there. Wallace Berry worked there. The Keystone Cops did work there. It's it, right here in Chicago. It still exists. The SNA Film Studios. Charlie Chaplin made, made one. It's in Uptown. It's on Argyle Street. It's okay. just down the street from the big old Uptown Theater. Oh, okay. Okay. It's still there. It had a couple of sound stages. Now that it's a school, turned into some kind of university for girls, young girls, women, whatever. <laughs> so we de decided let's have <clears throat> the opening night party on the actual soundstage where, where it all began. And then we did honor King Vidor at that time. Colleen was the chair of the festival. It was a, a remarkable evening. And yes, we had celebrity that first year. Okay. And now, of course, it didn't hurt. It didn't hurt that Colleen was having an affair with King Vidor at the time, sure. because even though she was married, she's had three husbands and all that. That's beside the point. Uh, King discovered her in silent film in 1926 or 25 when she was a little girl. And their 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 partnership continued throughout her life and her husband's wow. scan, you know, scandal. It's funny. You think of all these stars today screwing around with having four or five, six husbands and wives. It happened. It happened to all the, to the old days, too. I have to <laughs> say, yeah, another consistent theme throughout this book is the word infidelity now uh, marriage well, you, you, you or, said it i never thought about that before of course not of course not <laughs> the, i mean really, I, I just i just i it's accepted these things you know yeah well and it's interesting too and i a couple <clears> of things <throat> just to given the nature of the festival you accept these individuals and, and first they're genius because the, the ability to take an idea and turn that into a film, I mean, my brain does not work that way. But others, they're very creative. They can do that. They can plan it out, execute it. Just putting on the festival, I imagine, I mean, that's you as a conductor conducting the various members of your team to accomplish whatever tasks that you need to have them right. accomplish. That's, that's amazing. You put together a wonderful group of volunteers. Yeah. Nobody got paid in the early years and, and, and interns and assistants and no salaries, but they believed in, in what I what I was selling them. This this idea of the Chicago International Film Festival. Mm -hmm. You're also and, and, and so so many of these kids have gone on to great fame and fortune just by working with us at the festival, well, making their own movies and their own life. Well, let's do a little bit of a tangent. I mean, over 55 years, you have a lot of names, but for our listeners, who are some of the uh, the individuals that have started as that volunteer and went on to to really make a name for themselves? Well, the, main, the names may not mean anything to you uh, when you think about it. Like <clears throat> Mark, Mark Romanak worked in our mailroom for a while. Mark Romanak, it's not a name you, you think about right now. Mm -hmm. But Mark did a couple of good films, one with Robin Williams called uh, One Hour Movie, mm -hmm. but one very strong film of, of a strange little man, Robin Williams, a, a spooky, actually, film. And he works, let's say, at Walgreens, and he's the one that processes your movies. I remember you know? that. 
a scary movie. Oh, yeah. And he he processes the movies and he starts looking at these people's movies. He starts learning about them. And and then he becomes obsessed and wanting to meet them, even though he knows them and he gives them their films and he becomes part of their life. And it's a very scary idea. But the, the other film that Mark did that touched me a lot introduces Andrew Garfield. And I believe the title was something like uh, I'll Never Let You Go or or something. Never Let Me Go. So I, I remember the title exactly. But but it's about Charlotte Rampling runs a, a school for children, young people. Andrew Garfield's a young boy. I forget the young girl. And it's a school in isolated countryside and um, you don't really know the premise of the film it's called never let me I'm, i think it is never let me go and the premise is of course you, you you must never fall in love with each other and you must never leave the premises and you never never that's always these movies you must never go beyond the forest there's always oh. that kind of a thing oh yeah and okay. that one young girl one guy garfield they do fall in love, but that can't be permitted. And and you never really find out what's going on until one of them tries to leave the premises. But what they're really doing in this school, I shouldn't give it away, but what they're really doing is these children are being raised to harvest their organs. Yeah. Jersey Coma? Michael Douglas? Oh, yeah. Same idea, except this is a school of innocent children have no idea. Coma at the hospital, you never knew. Okay. So I said, so Mark worked at the festival. Another Mark, Mark, Mark Evans was my assistant and programmer. He, he, years later, you'll read it, but you read about him in the book. He later becomes the head of production at Paramount Pictures. Okay. He did at least 10 major films. They, I think his last one was one of those terrible Transformer films, but he did he did quite well with them. Now, were these individuals and others, when they were volunteering in whatever capacity was needed, were they students of film at, say, Columbia or... The... Some, some were and some absolutely not, yeah. Okay. Okay. But then it's so, so you start interning, and then a, one young lady right now, I'm thinking back, she, she was an intern, and and over the years she became a programmer, mm -hmm. and then she became the head programmer, and then as I retired years ago, like three or four years ago, she is now the, the artistic director of the festival. So she's actually grown and learned the position. I think she's quite happy being the new me or whatever yeah. her new her version of running the festival. Yeah, was she a film student? I don't think she was a film student. She she was an academic. It's curious because I don't really get to know too much about the personal lives because I just want to get the work the job done, and you're doing a great job. I don't get into your real life. I was so surprised to realize that she spoke fluent Japanese. I said, "Where did that come from?" <laughs> Amazing. So when it comes to planning the, the event, now perhaps it have well, I'm sure a lot went into the very first event, the very first festival. 
But as the as it started to take off, did you literally have to start planning the next event, like the day after? Yeah, exactly. The festival ended. Exactly. You always do. You don't ever let go. And the moment it's finished, you're already you're already setting up the entire thing. And and that's one of the reasons I finally did the book. Because mm-hmm. um, you're only as good as your last year. Yeah. And I thought it's hard to keep topping yourself, whether it's Sophia Lauren or or uh, Jane Fonda, whoever you're honoring. It's hard to keep doing that. I thought I better put all this stuff down because I'm getting old. <laughs> By the way, I have to share the Sophia Loren story was one of my favorites. That was that was as I was kind of ticking off. Okay, I like that story. That was very interesting. The the story honoring uh, Steven Spielberg and well, that Spielberg a, was a, a certain a individual shows up. A lot of work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of work. So, but you know what? You know what? Just these. I'm calling it starstruck. I'm not okay. starstruck. Right. You are. Yeah. Not me, because I'm dealing with these normal, to get to get them away from their agent, these normal human beings, that talented, remarkable people that you respect. Mm-hmm. And that's how I'm treating you. I, I'm not I'm not going, oh my God. I'm not fall I'm not I'm not a fanboy. Yeah. You know? I I definitely am not a fan boy myself. And but I, I love how i mean they were demanding i mean anytime I, I suppose you go into an industry and you have to turn on for the sake of a better word and act perform and be become something that the writer has created for you to act upon it, i i would imagine some perhaps easily turned that off and were just these warm loving caring individuals right so yeah perhaps it, it, up the it, it really it really did surprise me early early in the game when I, when i would be working with these stars and i remember the, the first one where it happened was with ann margaret mm-hmm. and ann margaret um she used to go to northwestern university for a while here in chicago so i was honoring ann margaret early in the years i don't know what year maybe the 70s and uh invited she and her husband Roger Smith, who was an actor on television. And, and we're having lunch before the big tribute to her that evening. Had invited Rex Reed into the hosting on stage because they were very close. Rex was a column, I think he's still a column in New York, a gossipy right. columnist, yeah. but charismatic. So Rex is, is in. And I'm sitting with Anne and her husband, Roger, having lunch. And it's getting closer to the time for our, our event. And Roger says to Anne, and I've never, I've never witnessed this kind of thing before. He said, it's time. It's time for you to become Anne Margaret. Then she left the room. No, I, I'd never witnessed it. Then, that, then years later, I wanted to do a, uh, an event around, remember, remember Anne Miller? Oh, yeah. tap dancer. Yeah, uh, girlfriend of Louis B. Mayer and all that stuff and all those big old MGM musicals. I was at her house in Beverly Hills try, trying to convince her to come to Chicago. And uh, 
she had to figure it out with her mother because her mother lived there and she was so psychic. And so she had to figure out the stars and all this kind of stuff before she agreed to do it. And she said, oh, God, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to run. I've got to run upstairs. I have to become Ann Miller. That's the second time I witnessed it. Okay. Oh, that was fascinating to me. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, it's, and I, I really, I mean, they're, they're, I would imagine some of them were, besides being able to turn on who they needed to become, some were, I imagine, were very down to earth, while others may have just... Everybody, every everyone has been. I've been very fortunate that way. Okay. I can't think of, in all these 55 years of these directors and stars, I can't think of any real SOBs that uh, unpleasant people sure. have been very good. As you started to craft the book, how one thing that I really loved about it, one is the organization of the chapters. They were very readable, consumable. I mean, it was it was a pleasant. I mean, we are having rain here in Las Vegas, so it's not like I can go out and explore the desert. Does it really rain in Las Vegas? I've never, I have never in my life seen rain in Las uh, Vegas. It's right this very minute. Right <laughs> this very minute. Uh, and you don't want to be out in the desert. It's raining, it raining money. It rains money, right? From your mouth. <laughs> As you were organizing this book, and I, and I love the fact that very consumable. I mean, I, I every chapter, it wasn't, I did not get bored. A lot of great uh, tidbits of information and insights. And like, wow, I didn't know that. And I actually had my Google browser open next to it so anytime you had shared something about somebody or the film i was then googling them so that was wonderful thank god for google yeah. i love uh, how you organized it but how how did if you could share a little bit tell us about the chapters and the well, titles well, keep in, of keep the it, book. well keep in mind i've never written a book but uh as you figured out i have a short attention span or okay. i do five things at once okay so i made the chapters movie titles Right. And the movie titles lead you into it. So they're they're all short subjects. So the movie title may be The Star is Born. And all of the stories in Star is Born are short subjects or thoughts or stardust memories or a thing called the film critic. They're all film titles that lead you into short stories. All I think that all the good men is that is that one of Mara. All the girl, or the girl, the ladies in the chorus. So it's right. a series on ladies, etc., cetera, right. etc. Cetera. Because um, there's short, there's short thoughts that came to. Thank God, I can still remember these things. I never took notes. It's just suddenly, all at three in the morning, suddenly I said, "Oh God, I forgot about that." And then you write it down. You got to have a note, uh, notepad by you, and the the photos. no, and it's in a, in another room. And I, I'd wake up at three o'clock in the morning. I, I go write all this stuff down and go back to bed. It's so amusing. The next day, I thought, gee, where did that come from? That's a great idea. <laughs> have okay. you done that? Okay. <laughs> I, I have a, a, like a notepad. Mm -hmm. And some, I, sometimes I'll wake up and I'll just take a quick note because if I don't, it, it's lost uh, until... I laugh, I, I laugh sometimes. I forget about uh, uh, Charlton Heston, who was, who was really easygoing, very tall man. Yeah. Uh, and he was from... Edmonston, Chicago, right. North, yeah. Northwestern. And he was happy to come do the festival because uh, I said, well, let's do a, a marathon of all your movies. 
for 24 hours. And you can also come and visit your mother. Mother's alive and Evanston. Absolutely. Just it's like absolutely. I don't know if Charles Hester from Adam. And he said yes. And he was such a such a cool guy and so 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 helpful about everything. So we checked him in a brand new hotel. We just opened, we're always opening a new hotel because we try to get it donated. Right. And it's called the Tremont Hotel. It's no longer there. The Tremont Hotel on Chestnut Street. And he would be the first guest to be in the new penthouse. So he arrives and he's too tall. He's too tall for the bed. He's too tall for the penthouse. And I thought, oh my God, what are we going to do? So we sent him out for coffee or lunch or something while we had them rebreathe bring in new beds at this and that. He's a tall guy. But as we're planning the thing, he said, okay, you're showing all my films. And I'll introduce the beginning, of course, it's just at the Biograph Theater. You've heard of the Biograph Theater. That's oh, yeah. where we did, we did the festival there, we did many festival theaters, and that was one of them. But that's where we're doing the 24 hours of Charlton Heston films. And he said, okay, what time do I part the Red Sea? And everything, you had to lay it out time-wise. So you knew, you knew everything because you had all these projectionists and different, to do a 24-hour show, which is so expensive, you have to have endless amount of projectionists because the, the union was very strong back then. Oh, yeah. And, and I'm asking them to stay all night. And kids would come, they'd bring sleeping blankets in, and, and they'd stay. They'd stay and watch us. I said, at 3 a.m., he said, I'll be there. I said, Okay. And by God, he got himself at 3 a.m. We he, he, the party of the Red Sea. We stop it. He introduces it. He goes down there to say he welcomes you all 3 a.m. And then it continued. I thought that's that's a, that's a good guy. That's very nice. That's very good nice. sense of yeah sense of humor. Great pride in, in it all. Well, and I, that's another thing I liked about the book is as you were sharing the stories. There's any number of actors out there who, when they showed up, were just all in. And, 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 and well, that, Sophia, Sophia Lauren had never been honored before. This is, yeah. this would do. That's she never, she, she had never come for her Oscar when she got an Oscar. She never came to America for that. This okay. is, she said, I, yeah, I've never been honored before. I'll come do it. It's all new to me. That is one that I wish I, I'm sure I was, I know I was alive. I don't know how old I was, but that is one I would have, paid big bucks to be there because she's amazing she was amazing she, even today she is quite remarkable i looked at nine the other did you ever like nine it was eight and a half it's a new version of eight and a half done by an american director it's a musical the broadway show called nine okay rob marshall rob marshall who directed chicago the musical okay. chicago okay. he did a a film Daniel Day Lewis, not a great success, but I loved it. And Sophia is in it, and uh, okay. it's all shot in Rome, and she's she's remarkably good in it. I would love it's, to see that. Just, check it out. Nine, the number nine. Okay. When you were traveling overseas, and the one that comes to mind is Khan. Just yes, as a young as a young kid, I mean, yes. did you go over there to accept the award? And I know you've been there many times since, but what what is it like to be there during this very famous festival and taking it all in? Well, in Venice, I got an award in Venice for bringing American independent cinema for the first time to the Venice Festival. I I don't know. It didn't phase me. It was uh, 
That okay. I didn't even know it was, I didn't even know it was going to happen. They they the director of the festival said, by the way, this evening we're giving you the silver lion for the festival for all the work you've done on independent cinema in America. And I said, okay. I, I know, I, I don't know. Okay. As you kind of look back on your career and illustrious, I mean, is this you have been had center stage, so to speak, to some of the most important films and actors, directors, producers that, you know, have graced the screen, so to speak. As you look back, did you have any aha moments? It's like, wow, I get to do this. I can't believe I have spent my career. I could have been a doctor, but I get to do this. I would have, I would have been a great doctor. Uh, they used to tell me, you know, they'd say, you got, you'd have great, you've got great bedside manner. And I thought, that I got. Okay. <laughs> but do I have the discipline to study all of that? No. But uh, I'm definitely a doctor today, solving people's problems. And I got my degrees finally in, in uh, psychology and okay. biology and graphic design and things. Your question was? <laughs> Did you any aha moments we kind of look back and you go, wow. Every one of these events with the superstars, when they were there, they were completed. It was just a relief that they were completed. And it only dawned on me a couple of days later that we had just done something big. Yeah. Now you have to get through it. You have to get through it because it's, it's, these are also complicated. And, um, and with the staff and all. I think I burned out the staff more than I ever burned myself out. I, I I did have this perception that while there was a lot of work and there was fun and you get to see a lot of amazing things, you definitely had people's feet to the fire. And you're, people throw around this word of a perfectionist. And I personally don't believe in perfection. We can work towards obtaining it, okay? But we're never going to get there. And that's what drives people did you think of yourself as a perfectionist yes absolutely i still do in the early years a lot of directors really foreign directors really didn't like me because i didn't go to the theaters to to uh, kowtow to them i was always back in the office trying to make sure everything was going to be okay and i'd be behind my desk rather than at the theater and i remember mike lee at british director said yeah i've got my first award in chicago but i hate that guy i never met him I never left the office. And, and years later, I would run into him in England. He said, you know, I don't like you. I said, wait a minute, Mike. I gave you your first award. You've been there many times. Oh, yeah, I finally got to know you. But <laughs> I said, yes, I, I'm shy and I got to finish work. I got to get I got to get this thing done for tomorrow. Okay. Here in yes, I am still I am still a perfectionist. Okay. Fair enough. As a an entrepreneur, this is an entrepreneurial effort over these years. And today there are a lot of festivals throughout the world, even here in the U.S. I mean, we... There's probably one every 10 minutes. <laughs> every 10 minutes. Does that, is that excite you? Or does that give you... How do you think that translates into love and appreciation of of film and cinema? Is it... And what does that feel like to you? There's a, there's a seminar coming up in, in Rotterdam this week in, in, in the Netherlands, and they asked for my opinion on what is the future of film festivals. 
-hmm. And I sent them a whole list of what I thought. Because think about it today. Why should I go out? Why should I leave my, my sofa when I can see Netflix and HBO? I can see the world for free, for free at home. And yeah, we've all become quite lazy because we, we're not going to go to the AMC or the, the Regal or whatever. We're going to stay home and watch it on TV. They, they, they put so much great product in our face. Mm -hmm. It's hard to get you back to the, to the theater. So the one niche is the International Film Festival because you can't get it anywhere else. I think it will always exist as, as a special niche, as long as it's programmed well and publicized well, and with something that you can't get anywhere else. Okay. And I don't like I don't like it when festivals stream the same films because then you're never going to get up and go. To me, that I've got to see the movie on the big screen. I, I just got to see Avatar up there. I got to see I got to see the big stuff. I got to see Elvis. Elvis is remarkable on the big screen. Oh yeah, when you you got, go, you're getting back people, but I'm sitting there. There's seven people. That's it. What is that? You go to the theater. Where do you sit? I, you won't believe this. I have always sat in the third row, on the aisle, okay. and uh, you ask why? Because the screen is so big and it envelops me, and no one's around you, and it's your movie, and it's you, and. I even did it with Avatar, and Avatar 3D and IMAX. It's incredible, even in the third row. I I, I want to thank you <laughs> for joining me on on the podcast today, and, and and for one of the reasons I want to thank you is now I besides that this interest in seeing some of these movies, Babylon, Avatar, is I need to get out of the house and go sit in the theater. So. You you have given me a a reason to go and do that because I, I last time I went to the theater I think I had a date I mean though at my age they don't they happen fairly infrequently okay but I had a date <laughs> and I, I can't remember I don't know if she liked it or I liked it but now I'm going to go to the theater and I'm not even going to care if I'm by myself I'm going to go and enjoy it so I, I do I've, wanna... I've always I've always got alone and people think it's so weird going to see a movie alone but I want to. I want to just wrap myself into it. Okay. Wow. Very but to yeah, get people to get people back away from the Netflix is is not easy. No, it's it was so convenient, and obviously COVID helped us along there. I of do course. have a question, by the way. You talked, uh, you know, a little bit about you're wearing the, the the sweatshirt, starstruck, and the color, and you have this wonderful wall behind you, which is the same color. Ah. There's a couple of photos back there. What? What? what no, is there's there's one picture back there. That's, okay, it's so, one. Okay. Now, if you read the chapter in the book when we had the world premiere of One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest, okay, the Milos Forman film with Jack Nicholson and all, right. it was in that theater, and that was a great old movie palace that held three thousand three hundred people, okay. and that is that that is the actual night of the uh, of it. The place has been torn down since, but. We had the world premiere. Michael Douglas produced it. Elos Forman's the director. Mike Nichol or Jack Nicholson is the star. Louise Fletcher and all this crowd, they're all there. And the theater held, as I say, 3,300. We had 3,400 there. Yeah, right. So they're sitting on the floor. They're sitting on the, holding on the rafters. And it was a big event. And then like, like everywhere in the world today, someone's going to call the police the fire department, the bomb squad, 
the riot and someone did yeah it was chaos and then luckily there was one powerful gentleman in the lobby who uh, was able to talk to them all and calm them down basically say if you close this theater down you're gonna have a riot you've got 3,400 people storming out of here. It's too dangerous for their safety and yours. You convinced them to go away. We showed the film and we had everyone behave and it was a remarkable <laughs> remarkable evening that somehow we got through it. Wow. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll save for the and Jack, Jack, Nich Jack Nicholson didn't care because he was so, so high. Yeah. He was always so high. In those days, I mean, 1975, yeah. He's always smoking and marijuana. Now that, I mean, that that's all illegal, and you do it on the sneak. But he's always high. Yeah. Well, and we're going to say for our listeners who will go out and buy this book to to find out who that very powerful person was. We're not going to share it, but he was. <laughs> and I also took away very indispensable in in, in these events. And yeah, very helpful. I and I can't imagine how difficult it was in a city like Chicago, who very political, very demanding. And having somebody like that was definitely a, a, a blessing. Before we head out, Michael, a couple quick questions. Uh, if the book has some great reviews uh, on Amazon and, and, and the other uh, sites where you can purchase the copy. When you come across someone who has read the book, how does that make you feel when they kind of share their experience and their aha moment from this book? What 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 is how does that make you feel? Well, first that they even know it existed and then they bought it. I, I, of course, I, I'm pleased with that. Um, so, some will say, "Is that really true about such and such?" And blah blah blah. And I didn't know you were this. I didn't know you. I didn't know about you. Then that they now know too much about me as well as these stars um they but most of them say, say what a great read but so it was so much fun i couldn't put it down that's a yeah. great compliment yeah do you have any advice for someone who maybe they don't have the parents or were the doctors and want their child to go into the family profession but someone who you know is trying to discover what, where they're going to be in their professionally and what's well, well you know i know you you're, you had a, you have a very good suggestion i should go talk to film students and all that about about the book even though i don't think the young film students would understand the stars and all but my feeling is it's probably a sacrilege you don't need these film schools it's when i started making movies it was hands-on no one taught me how to make a movie you just did and the moment you do it yourself with the camera and the, it's got to be hands-on. You've got to learn how to do it yourself. And you frankly do not have to go to a film school unless you want film appreciation and all of that kind of thing. Um, but hands-on and making a movie is the way to begin now. Writing screenplays and all that, that's something different. Maybe you do need a film school. Maybe you do need to be taught to do that. Um, I, I wasn't. I just did it. Well, now, did I, I did I meet did I meet all those filmmakers? Of course, I met them later. Did I did I later go to to um, when I was working on a TV commercial? I was sitting there with an editor, and I said, "Oh, I mean, I've never tried to do that." And and you do 
once again, that's hands on. Okay. That's my if advice. I, that's great advice. And they, they get to uh, receive it from Michael Kutza, who is the founder of the Chicago International Film Festival. That's... Or, or, as, or as Faye Dunaway, the actress, would say, because she could never remember how to say Kutza. She would always say Michael Hutzpa. I like I like Michael Hutzpa, thought, by the way. I thought it was very funny, not being Jewish, but I thought it was very funny because you got to have Hutzpa to try to pull this thing off. Yeah. As a nice Jewish boy, or I, I totally appreciated the Hutzpah. So I did that. Michael, if our listeners would like to learn more about you and your work, is there a place we should send them to? I actually have a, a website, michaelcusa.com. Very good. Yeah, and, and for our listeners, do check and if you, it out. If you, if you hit star, it, it, I can tell you how to get laid. Okay. I'm joking. I'm <laughs> joking. You want, by the way, we did not, that was definitely a thread we could have gone down. I, that was another <laughs> reason why I wish I had known you way back when I lived in Chicago. My social life would have probably have been just a little different, but I, I think that opened up a lot of opportunities and misperceptions about you. I mean, you definitely met a lot of characters and i'm sure there's lots of opportunities some you, but, but you don't bet you don't share that stuff with anybody my god this is the first this is the first time i've ever shared it with anybody you yeah so for our listeners you're gonna love it you're gonna love it Michael, i, I mean you, you just dropped me to, to mind how, how many even remember the name jean moreau this famous french actress and oh, yeah. and she was with us on a, on a film jury and we had honored her one year she was quite beautiful in those days and and she she comes to my office. So I want you to we had she had to have a driver because she had to drive these people to the movies. She said, "I want you to fire that driver." I said, "Okay." She, no explanation. So then I called the guy in because they're volunteers and they're young, right. and some are film students, some are writing scripts and things. I said, "She wants me to let you go." Yeah, I, I'm I'm tired of playing with her. Uh, she's too old for me. And I said, "What are you talking about?" Oh yeah, we're sort of involved. I said, I don't want to know that. You're not supposed <laughs> to get in. You're not supposed to get involved with our guests. Well, she wanted to party. Oh my! I don't want to keep doing that. Give her a different driver. Now, I, I don't want to know these stories. I learned them later. <laughs> oh, they're they're wonderful stories. They're truly wonderful. I I know our listeners are going to enjoy uh, not only this episode of the author series on Success Insight, but enjoy this wonderful book and we're going to provide backlinks to your website and to the book pages and we do need to chat about i think there's i my feeling is i don't care if you are a student today that i think we can appreciate history and really these names brought back lots of memories for me and also there's some memory of being in chicago when this festival was taking place and and I'm I'm sorry now that I did not take full advantage of it. And so if you're in Chicago, you need to go there for the International Film Festival. It's just a wonderful event. And that's just... thank you for those. Thank you for those kind remarks. <laughs> Michael, it's been a pleasure. And uh any final thoughts before we head out today? Amazon.com. Amazon. Let's go sell that's, some books. Let's the only sell. way there are no bookstores anymore. I, I've learned no. that. Yeah. 
No, but you book there's Amazons and Barnes and Noble and you Barnes have and the, Noble. right, right. You have the local Rotary clubs and yeah, but yeah, um, I mean this. I tell you this age forget the age wise, but I mean I, I knew a lot of these names and just now I I have a list of movies I want to go watch and I'm sure folks that are listening to this movie are gonna be excited about it and we wish you nothing but the best and congratulations on Starstruck. It's been a thank you, to thank have you, you very much. All right, listen, stay on the line. We're going to do a quick close, right. and you and I can have a final chat, okay? Okay. All right. All right, folks. Well, first thing, go out on your browser of choice. Type in Amazon or Barnes & Noble and search for Starstruck, How I Magically Transformed Chicago into Hollywood for More Than 50 Years. The author is Michael Kutza, K-U-T-Z-A. Michael is the founder of the Chicago International Film Festival and the author of this wonderful book. And if you are living in Chicago, and I know this episode, I have a lot of Chicago friends who listen to my podcast, buy the book, go and go participate in the film festival, volunteer at the film festival if you can. This wonderful event truly has put Chicago on the map for over 55 years. Just a wonderful, wonderful event. I'm so fortunate. I want to thank my uh, good friend, Linda O'Connor, who's a PR uh, extraordinaire, and she is the one who introduced me to Michael and so happy to have had him on today's episode. Now, as for us, you can find this episode on successinsightpodcast.com. We are also on Facebook and on LinkedIn on our Success Insight podcast pages. We're going to have this podcast, the video portion of it, up on YouTube, we may break break it up into a couple of segments, but it's definitely going to be out there as well. And of course, you can find us on all of the podcast directories. And we would love to get your comments, uh, what you thought of this episode. If you've read the book, let us know what you think. Do go out to Michael's website, michaelkutza.com. We're going to provide the backlinks to it, and we'll also have the backlinks to the uh, the book sites as well so you can pick up your copy of starstruck okay folks wherever you are whatever you're doing go out there have a phenomenal day and we will see you on a future episode of the author series on the success insight podcast take care now success insight is a production of fox coaching and first story strategies find us online successinsightpodcast.com 